The scripture reading for this morning is taken from the Gospel of Luke, and we'll be reading from Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, the verses 38 to 44, focusing especially on our text, the verses 42 to 44, and you'll be able to find that on page 1184 of your pew Bible. Jesus has just begun his ministry. He has been, yeah, he, he gave his opening sermon in the town of Nazareth, his hometown, where he proclaimed that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. And that was where he began his ministry. He was rejected there, and they almost threw him over the edge of a cliff. They were so angry with him. So he moved on to Capernaum. And now he's been in Capernaum, and he was preaching in the synagogue. And we come to verse 38 of our passage. Now, he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made a request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And the demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Now, when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. So far, the word of God. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if you follow them on Facebook, or if you have seen the website of the Canadian Reformed Mission Association, you may have heard of the preaching tours that our missionaries go on from time to time in Papua New Guinea. It's a pretty amazing thing to hear about, and even more amazing if you've seen the pictures. The missionaries and the local pastors will begin their tour in their home base of Leh, PNG, and stopping at a marketplace there, they'll deliver a message that kicks off their preaching tour. 250, 300, maybe even 400 people will gather around as they begin to preach, sit down in the dust, and hear the words of the speaker as he speaks in the open air. They might be waiting for the bus to take them home after an afternoon at the market. They might pause in their shopping to hear what he's saying. They might even stop while they're walking by, coming down the street. Their plans can wait for a while. This is their evening's entertainment. They might not walk away changed, but for the moment there, for many of them, it's something to do, something to listen to, something they can speak about after. They'll applaud if they hear someone make 
a good point. They'll speak in agreement. And we can praise God that oftentimes lives are actually changed through this as well. From there, that opening session where they give the message that kicks off their tour, they will go and they'll drive for days into the highlands and the villages that are more remote, stopping at marketplaces along the way, preaching the gospel of grace. In many places that they go to, people ask them, stay with us. But unfortunately, resources are spread just too thin. They must return home eventually and continue to watch over their home church to teach and to train the people that are there. They have another calling and other responsibilities, and so they must move on. But for a little while, they are able to bless the people who are gathered there with their teaching. They are able to plant seeds, and they are able to move on elsewhere to share the gospel. Today we find Jesus Christ doing the same thing. The people find themselves stirred by his preaching and his miracles, and they want to keep him there. But he's got a mission. This, there was a reason that he was sent into this world. He has a further task to do. And so he bids the people here in Capernaum farewell. And he goes on to preach the coming of the kingdom of God in power in the synagogues throughout Galilee. And so today we will see Christ's decision under the following theme and points. Christ says, I cannot stay. I must preach the kingdom. We'll see first of all the origin of his commission and second strength for his commission. Now, you would think that having read this passage, Christ would be tempted to stay. By the human perspective, he was doing very well. A fresh new preacher with lots of people who love him and who hang on to his every word. It sounds good, doesn't it? And not long before this, Jesus had made a huge announcement in Nazareth of Galilee. This was where he had his opening sermon at the very beginning of his ministry, and he had read from the prophecy of Isaiah saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He then sat down as did all rabbis when they were preparing to preach and teach in his day. And he made the stunning statement, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I am that prophesied one, he said there. I have come with a message from God, a gospel message, a message of liberty and salvation. From there, he goes on to Capernaum, spreading this very same message and preaching powerfully. And many came to hear him and to see his miracles. Would it not make sense for him to settle down now as he is gathering a crowd? Especially if you consider the way that he was received in his hometown of Nazareth to the way that he was received here in Capernaum. In Nazareth, people had rejected him. They had despised him. They had said to him, who do you think you are? We know you. 
And here you are pretending you're something special. And when he called them out on their unbelief, they dragged him out of the city to the top of a cliff and very nearly threw him off. But here, here in Capernaum, he has a group that will listen to him. He's becoming successful. And more than that, people want him to stay. People are begging him to stay. So what's going on? Why won't he stay? Well, Jesus recognizes that he hasn't just come into the world to be popular, to be supported, and to be loved. He's come into the world with a mission. He says to the people, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. Whenever anybody else finds purpose in their life, something that they recognize that God has truly called them to, you can see that it's often like they turn into someone else. Have you ever seen that? Have you experienced that change in the eyes of people? In Jeremiah 20 verse 9, we hear of the prophet Jeremiah's response to this. His word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones, and I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. It's truly awe-inspiring to see the zeal in the hearts of people who have this. It's like the moment before a house fire goes from the inside of the house to the outside of the house. The pressure builds up until the glass in the windows blows out and the fire leaps up. It was gasping for air, but with a fresh flow of oxygen, it suddenly leaps upwards and there's no mistaking it for what it is. You can try to keep them in the here and now, but in their hearts, they have that burning zeal for the mission that lies ahead. Because they have received their calling from God, they are excited and they are motivated to serve as his witnesses. It burns within them. Jesus Christ is filled with a similar urgency. The time is short, and he's on a mission. He's on a mission to proclaim the kingdom of God. But he also recognizes that he's on a timeline. He is headed towards the cross. And in that time, he wants to be able to share the good news of the gospel, the good news of what he is going to do, what he is going to accomplish with as many people as possible. And so this isn't just something that's optional for him. He says, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also. He must go. He's planted the seed already in these people. And we see that the demons, at least, already recognize the significance. They're the ones who leap out of the people that have Jesus drives them out of, crying out, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And those who have been chosen by God will soon have this seed grow into something bigger yet. But for now, it's time for him to move on. There are more people who need to hear more people who haven't heard the good news. And yes, it's good news that he's bringing. 
That's the word for preaching that he uses here when he says, I must preach. It's, the, it's a Greek word, euangelizo, from where we get our word evangelize. And it's a word that literally means to declare good news. In this case, the good news that his father has anointed him to preach the gospel to the poor and to declare liberty to the captives and to bring salvation to his people. But just because it's good news doesn't mean it will be well received. This was, for Jesus Christ, the very news that was received with joy in Capernaum, but nearly caused them to be thrown off a cliff in Nazareth. He doesn't know, well, he, he does know what lies ahead, but for those who are around him, they don't know of the reception that will be lying ahead for him. He will go from one place to another, and in some places it will be well received, and in other places there will be people again who try to kill him. And yet he moves ahead with his commission. He moves ahead with this task to which he has been called, because it comes from his father. His father, as we read in verse 43, has sent him for this very purpose, for this very reason, Christ's first task in this world is to declare the coming kingdom of God, to declare the anointing that happens in front, of a, in front of hundreds of witnesses who saw heaven open and the Holy Spirit come down on him like a dove and the Father saying, this is my Son, with him I am well pleased. And after that, it's his task to suffer and to die on the cross in fulfillment of what he was sent to do, sent to proclaim. This was his purpose. Not even the begging of those who love him and who care for him can hold him back from that. It's this very same sense of purpose and this very same sense of urgency that motivates the church of Christ today. It's the same sense of purpose and urgency that compels mothers and fathers at home to speak to their children lovingly, faithfully, and passionately about the gospel. The time is short. We, don't, we do not know the day or the hour when Christ will return. We do not know the day or the hour when we ourselves will be taken home. And so, to nurture in our children and to nurture in those who are looking up to us an adoration of, for Christ and a love for what he has done must drive us. It must motivate us. This is what drives leaders or mentors or teachers to speak with those who are in their care about their concern for their eternal destination. And it's the same purpose that drives people to declare Jesus' name to the far ends of the earth. This is the same purpose that calls them to leave their parents, to go where the gospel has not gone, and to boldly proclaim his name. 
It's not because it's easy. It's well received by some and it's rejected by others. And that rejection can hurt. Oh, how it can hurt. Jesus knows this. He experienced it with his very own relatives, his friends and his neighbors who tried to have him put to death. But this is what God has called his people to. He gives us the good news of the gospel. He grants us the good news of salvation. He shows us a world which is in need, a world which is crying out for the gospel of grace. And then he tells us the time is short. This is what God has called his people to. And that calling is, it must be a fire burning in our bones. Christ says, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities. And parents today echo that. I must teach the gospel to my children. Elders in the church are reminded, I must continue to encourage those in my care with the gospel. We all towards our friends and our neighbors, are encouraged. We must share with them the good news of grace. It's an incredible message of liberty that we've been called to share. And however it is received, we've been called to share it and to follow our Lord faithfully and diligently to carry out this calling that we've received to the best of our ability for the glory of Christ and for his kingdom. And this brings us to our second point, the strength to carry out his commission. This sounds like a lot of work, you might be thinking right now. It sounds overwhelming, especially in the face of that kind of opposition. Who would willingly walk into the flames like that? Who would willingly do that knowing what's ahead? Recognizing that there will be those who reject it, that there will be those who turn against us, even those in our own family even our own friends. How can I do that? But we can do it. And we can do it with boldness as well. We can speak to our children and our grandchildren of the gospel. We will speak boldly and proudly of the name of Jesus under which we stand. Why? How? Because we are able to find our strength for it in the same way that our Lord Jesus Christ did. On the Sabbath, he had driven out a demon who had challenged him as he was preaching in the synagogue. In the late afternoon, we read how we, he arose from there, entered Simon's house, and he healed Simon's mother-in-law from a fever. As the sun was setting, he healed crowds who brought their sick and they're demon-possessed. 
He advanced the kingdom of God, striving with and conquering the dominion of Satan, one demon-possessed figure at a time, until the sun went down. He would have been tired. He would have been exhausted. And yet, even being tired, he knew what he needed. He awoke early the next morning, and when it was day, or daybreak, as some translations put it, he went out to a quiet place to spend time with his Father in heaven. We read from the parallel gospel accounts here that Jesus Christ spent these early hours in prayer. There's a saying, I'm not so busy today that I can't pray. I'm so busy today, sorry, I'm not so busy today that I cannot pray. I'm so busy today that I must pray. When we're overwhelmed, when life drags us down, and when we feel we've spent the whole day before us striving with the powers of hell, when we've got a new week ahead of us, a week that may be overwhelming, spending time with our Father in heaven is not optional. Our Lord Jesus Christ teaches us here that it is a necessity. This gospel may be fuel for our souls, certainly. And without the gospel, we have no hope and so we lean on Jesus Christ day in and day out. But prayer is the oil that keeps the engine moving. Without the gospel, your engine will die very quickly. Without prayer, your walk with God and your understanding of his calling will slowly but surely grind to a halt. But here's the part that's really special for us as people of God and as followers of Jesus. With prayer, with prayer, we are granted the strength to face what is ahead. With prayer, we are blessed with the strength and the courage to carry on for another day by the power of the Spirit. How do we know this to be true? How can we be so certain of this? Well, consider a few chapters ahead with me for a moment. Luke 11, the verses 11 to 13. Luke chapter 11, the verses 11 to 13. Jesus Christ says to his disciples, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? If he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus here is teaching us that we can find encouragement and strength in the same way that he did, through prayer and through the power of the Holy Spirit. That same Spirit who came on Jesus Christ as his anointed, at his anointing, and the same Spirit that he spoke of when he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, 
This same spirit is in all of God's people today. The same spirit strengthens you and me in our daily task. But we are called to prayer to truly benefit from the strengthening power of the Holy Spirit. As we confess in our Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 45, God will give His grace in the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask Him for these gifts and thank Him for them. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, let's, let's take courage in light of that. Let's be encouraged because of that. We have the promise that our God will provide for us when we ask Him in our hour of need. We have a fountain of strength there ready to provide for us as we face this great commission that we are called to. And so let us live in a culture in which we bring everything to the Lord in prayer, in which we're constantly leaning on our Father in heaven. Let prayer be that lifeline that Christ has bought for us with his blood, the oil that keeps our engines running in this race of faith. As we are ambassadors in this world and as we look ahead to the opportunities we have to share the gospel message, this message of freedom in Christ, let's take courage and be hopeful to share this with our friends and neighbors where we have the opportunity, but also with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage them and lift them up. With our children, our grandchildren, our siblings, and our friends. Not looking to ourselves as if we can or are even called to do this alone, but rather living prayerfully so that we can receive the strength and the courage that we need to boldly live our lives of faith. So that even in our darkest hours when we're so tired, we can find the strength to carry on. Because Christ has bought this for us. For the sake of Christ, we may come boldly to the throne of grace as we, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Hebrews 4 verse 12. Let us lean on that as we go out to carry out this calling to which God has called us to. Amen.